0: love to invite you to stand with us right now for the reading of God's Word. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, start with verse 18.
1: This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. Melody, why don't you join me in prayer right now. Lord, we come to you and are thankful for your word, thankful how your word really ignites faith in our life. And that's what I'm praying for, greater faith in our lives here today. Lord, I know we're all in different places in our journey, so God, we are so thankful that you meet us right where we're at. Would you meet us there and would you strengthen, would you encourage, would you stir up faith in you? And Lord, for those that maybe have never begun a relationship with you, they're just exploring this, thinking about this, they're just listening, Lord, would you, I just pray God that you'd reveal to them who you are, that you love them, you care about them, that you're here, Lord, would you just stir up faith in them for the first time? I would pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you find your seat, go ahead and tell your neighbor, aren't you glad it's finally basketball season? Come on. Tell them. Come on. Everybody's with? You are with me? It's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? It's basketball season. Christmas is pretty good, too. <laughs> well, hey, it's good to see you all here at Rivers Church. You're looking good. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online. Just love that you're here with us. And, man, I'm just really excited about today. And excited about the future, man. God's got some good things for us and looking forward to where we're going in January. We've got some new things that we're going to be launching and love to have you a part of what God is doing. Even speaking to those of you that are are online, joining us and still online, been online for a few months, just look forward to having you with us in the coming months. God has some good things for Rivers Church. One of the things that my family and I does every year in this Christmas season is we read portions of scripture that refer to, you know, the prophecies of the coming Messiah and all that kind of stuff, read through the nativity story and all those. It's kind of a fun tradition we do. Many of you maybe do that as well. And this year, I confess, we actually haven't done it as well as other years. It's been kind of hit and miss, which kind of describes the year, I guess, but Uh, About a week and a half ago, we were doing this at the dinner table, and our son Jude, he's 15, he was reading through that exact portion of Scripture that we just read, Melody just read for us. And when he got to the part where it said Joseph had no union with Mary, his version was a little different. It actually said Joseph had no sexual relations with Mary. And instantly he was like, he kind of froze, he gets a little red, he's embarrassed. And our 12-year-old daughter just gasped. She's like, (gasps) and she's like, my little girl Bible doesn't say that. And she ran upstairs to her room, grabbed her little girl Bible, and came downstairs and read to us what her Bible said. I think it was something similar to Union, like what we just read there. We were just laughing so hard. Andrew Crush, our youth director, was there that night. He can attest to this. Like, we are all just laughing. This is hilarious, as our teenagers were all embarrassed, and, and they just were being, being funny about it. And so we were going through this exact part of of the Christmas story. And I was reading through the Christmas story several months ago, and I was really struck by the faith that takes place in the people in this story, specifically Mary and Joseph, which is why we're calling this series Christmas Faith, because the faith that these people had was so strong that they trusted God no matter what. And here's the message that I wanna speak to you today. It's just a simple message, and it's this faith obeys faith obeys so we're going to talk about Joseph here this morning and look at his response to what God has for him and i think Joseph is perhaps the most overlooked person in the new testament we don't really focus on him or even talk about him much and maybe that's because not much is said about him like you only verses in the New Testament. There is no recorded word that Joseph ever spoke. So we don't have anything in scripture that's where Joseph said this or, or, or did this. And so maybe that's why he's overlooked. But think about how significant his role is. Like he was the earthly father of the Messiah. But then it kind of causes you to wonder, like, why would God choose Joseph? Surely, like if you and I were God, we would have chosen some prominent religious leader in Jerusalem who would have had influence and power, could have really taught the Messiah how to grow up obeying and, and following the laws of God and what it looks like to be a follower of God and, and all that. But instead, God chose a poor carpenter, is just like God. That's what God does. Like God chooses those that are overlooked, that even feel overlooked, which gives hope to all of us, friends. He can use any of us. He used a poor carpenter to be the earthly dad of the Messiah. He can use you and he wants to use you to do great things, no matter who you are. I just love that about God. That's one of the first things you just really notice in this story. But then you still kind of wonder, why did God choose Joseph? But we really see, first here about Joseph, why God chose him. And verse 19 says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph was a righteous man. He was someone who really trusted God. He acted in in, in obedience to God. He followed the laws of God. He had a fear and a definite love for God and other people. He was a guy of upstanding moral character, made good, wise, godly decisions. That's, That's Joseph. Man. In fact, that's why he decided, I'm going to divorce Mary quietly. Because he could have done it publicly, you know. He could have taken her to trial, and she would have been convicted like guilty because he'd be like, she's obviously pregnant, and this guy didn't do it. So she uh, shacked up with somebody else, and they could have dragged her out and actually stoned her to death, killing her and Jesus. But because he was a righteous man, he cared. He, he loved people even loved his wife, even though they're, all, they're, they're engaged, she is legally and technically his wife already. And so he decides, I'm gonna quietly divorce her. And as he's considering this, contemplating this, this is when the angel of the Lord comes, right? And speaks to him, hey, Joseph, this, uh, this child that your wife has, it's of me. You're to name him Jesus and take Mary to your wife. And so I just love the response of Joseph here. Like Joseph is faced with a huge decision in this moment. This is a huge decision that's going to change forever the rest of his life. But really, when you read the text, it doesn't seem to be much decision for Joseph because he immediately responds to God. Can I just say that immediate obedience demonstrates genuine faith? Yeah. Immediate obedience shows, it, it, it demonstrates, I have a genuine faith in God. And that's what Joseph did. I just love his response. I'm actually challenged by it too. Like Joseph doesn't question God. He doesn't argue with God. He doesn't complain. There's no delay in his obedience. Verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his, as his wife. Because faith obeys. That's what faith does. This story, as I was reading this recently, reminded me of the faith of a guy named Abram. I love how God comes to Abram and calls him into a new season of his life of really fully trusting God even more. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 12. So Abram's a key guy in the very beginning of the Bible, towards the beginning of the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis 12 records it like this, says, The Lord had said to Abram, this is before his name was changed to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram had told him. Same response as Joseph there, right? Abram decided to obey God immediately and got up. He packed everything and started to leave. And where did God tell him to go? Actually doesn't even say, does it? It's just, God just said, hey, Abram, I want you to pack up everything, leave your family and go to the land. Like, I'm not gonna tell you yet. I just wanna see you get going. And once you get on that journey and you're trusting me, then I'm gonna show you where to until you're moving. And isn't that like our life of faith too? It's like, so often it's like, I don't know. I know God's saying this. I, sometimes it's like, I just sense God is saying this to me and he's leading me in this direction, but I don't know what's gonna happen after that. It's just this life of faith. That's what Abram did. And I love his obedience. See, immediate obedience demonstrates a genuine faith. Now we live in a very fast paced society, very fast paced life. Do you feel that? That, that pressure It's very fast. Like we're go, 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 this and this. You know, we got all these pressures, especially this time of year, you can feel like there's a lot going on. And so we like to get things fast we like it when our fast food is fast. That's why we go to fast food. It's the convenience. Uh, when, when a restaurant takes too long, we get frustrated, don't we? Oh, it's way too slow. What's going on, you know? We just kind of get impatient. And the nerve of them being slow with, with my food. And, and even as I'm saying this, I have to confess, I felt very impatient just two days ago. Amy and I went out to breakfast. And after 20 minutes, she hadn't gotten her food yet. And so I went back up to the counter. I'm like, hey, the order for Amy... Is that there anywhere? Like, we don't see anything for Amy. And I'm like, it was a Dutch pancake. So do you, like, what, can you guys make her, like, we ordered this. We paid for this. And like, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Yeah, I, it's going to take another 10 minutes. But if that's okay, uh, it's probably going to take at least 10 minutes is what he said, actually. And I'm, I'm getting frustrated as he's speaking, like very impatient. Like, we've already been waiting 10 min- 20 minutes is what I told him. And we gotta, we're planning on going off to this other, we got. we're running out of time. And I'm feeling impatient as I'm talking to him. He's very apologetic and very nice. And he's, he says, we can still make it for you, not, not a problem. And so we decided to wait and relax. God helped me just to relax. And I realized I don't need to be really uptight about this. And this is one of those moments that I could tell I was feeling it. Very impatient. Because how dare they forget our order? Those Dutch pancakes, by the way, at Lux, they're really good. I highly recommend them. Wait. <laughs> you know... We just get impatient, don't we? When that light's red for way too long, do you feel that impatience? Like what has never been red this long ever? What's going on? We get impatient. We like life to be fast. We like things to open up for us. Yet isn't it interesting how too often we're slow in our obedience to God? And I love the story of Joseph and the story of Abram even there that we just looked at because you see an immediate obedience. And that demonstrates we have a genuine faith. And I pray that you and I would grow in this area, that we would grow in our immediate obedience in our life. Why? Because faith obeys. Faith obeys. Hmm. So Joseph, he obeyed immediately and his faith, I would describe as really childlike. Is he just took God at his word. It's like he woke up the next day and he did exactly what God asked him to do. He simply God at his word. And though he doesn't say anything, his response is the exact same as his wife. Mary, in her words, Mary said this, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's a very powerful response of obedience. I'm your servant, God. I trust you. I follow you. You're my leader speaking to me, it's going to be fulfilled in my life. I will live this out, this word you're giving me because I trust in you. She obeyed and Joseph had the same response. I just pray that you and I would have the same type of faith where we would just take God at his word. Like have this mindset of God says it, I'll obey it. I pray that you and I would live that that lifestyle of just trusting God that much where God and I'll obey it. Can I just submit to you God is always speaking? He's always speaking to us. He'll speak to you through his word directly as you're, re- you're pouring over the pages of his word. And something will just jump out to you and he's speaking to you. Sometimes it's through his spirit, those promptings, his still small voice speaking to you. Sometimes it comes from a friend. It'll happen through preaching of the word like in moments like this. I'm believing that God's gonna speak to you in regards to something this morning. That's my prayer every time I get up is God's gonna speak something to you. Specifically, that God can speak anytime, anywhere. I think he's always speaking. I've had God speak to me when I'm watching movies before. All of a sudden, God has kind of laid something on me. You know, it's probably happened to you before. It can happen anywhere. God is always speaking. Are we listening and are we willing to to obey. Because that's what faith does. The response of faith is obedience. And so it's you and I just being people who just simply take God at his word. Okay, God, you said it. I'll obey. Taking God like faith, like Joseph. You ever feel anxiety begin to creep into your life? Well, the word of God says, don't be anxious about anything. Which you're like, yeah, right. Okay, easier said than done. Yes, very true, because we're human. We've got this flesh nature that can sometimes rise up inside of us. We can find ourselves feeling anxious, but we don't have to, is what God's word said. So if I really take God at his word, I can apply his words to my life and live them out with his strength, in his power. He can help me to do this. So, Philippians 4, verse seven, we're told that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, present your quest to God with thanksgiving by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And here's the promise from God. He promises this, the peace of God will, will come and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, told by the way, let me throw a little description of, the, of God in there is what's going on here when, as Paul's writing this, that passes all understanding. It doesn't even make sense because God does it. It's a supernatural thing that God does, as you and I allow. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, my friends. This is a promise straight from the Word of God, and so I, I pray that you and I would be people that would say, "Okay, God, you you say this, I'm going to live this out. I will trust you, and I will obey it. I'm going to bring, I'm going to present my request to you. I'm going to bring this issue to you. I'm I'm anxious. I'm worried. God, I surrender that to you, and I trust you, God. I receive." your peace, because you promised to give me peace. I receive that right now. Thank you, Jesus. You ever struggle with fear? fear ever get a hold of you? Remind yourself what God's word says. God has not given you a spirit of fear or to miss. He's given you a spirit of love, of power and self-discipline. That's what God has given you. And so you read scriptures like this, and it's important for us to not just say, thank you, Lord, but to say, God, help me apply this to my life and live this thing out and simply take God at his word. And so I break fear over my life. Fear, you have no part of me. That's not from God. In Jesus' name, it's gone. God, I receive from you what you have given me. What you want to give me more of right now is a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a spirit of self-discipline. So you can walk in that spirit. And not be controlled by fear. This is you and I just simply God. Now, I love the next verse. Right after that, Paul goes on to, to say, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, which is interesting when you connect that to the previous verse. He's saying, Don't let that spirit of fear that you have, it's not from God. He's given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self discipline. Out of that, Then Paul begins to say, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Say, God, give me a spirit of power so I'm never ashamed, so I never miss any opportunity. A spirit of love, so that I do this out of love. Like, I love them so much, and I love you so much that I just can't help but sharing it with them. Rises. And then Paul goes on to say, don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer for me for the sake of the good news. So God, give me your strength, because I'm willing and I want to be ready to go through any suffering that I'd go through in my life for your sake, for your glory, for the sake of the gospel, the good news. And so we take these words from God, and we say, God, I want to live these words out. Give me the strength so no matter what suffering I go through, I will stay faithful and true to you. This is you and I, again, just taking God at his word. Yeah. God, you said it, so I will believe it. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. James says this, he says, are uh, you going through uh, any, uh, are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well, and you will have and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Promises from the Word of God. Do you believe that? This is why at the end of every service we ask you to come forward and pray. And this is you and I just living out the word of God right here. Like we believe that God can heal you and wants to heal you. And God's just saying, hey, go to the leaders of the church. We got, we got prayer team people, leaders of the church that would love to pray over you. And we believe God can heal you. And God can, can move and work in those situations. And so it's just you and I just taking scripture and saying, okay, God says it, I believe it. So I'm gonna act in response to it. Just having that simple faith in who God is and what his word says. And I just love that James says that too, by the way. Because you know who James is? James is the brother of Jesus. So this is one of Joseph's older other sons. Joseph's. Sorry, I can't talk. I really can't talk this morning. I'm stumbling. I apologize. Joseph had lots of sons and even daughters. And, you know, we're talking about Joseph this morning. We'll get back to him in just a few moments. But this was one of his other sons who grew up with Jesus. Could you imagine having Jesus as your older brother? I'm sure he heard words like, James, why can't you? Like, your brother doesn't ever do that. Why do you do this, James? You know, that would be tough to grow up in the shadow of the Messiah as your older brother, right? (laughs) That would be horrible. But James didn't believe that his brother was the Messiah, and you'd struggle with that too. But then he did believe after he saw his brother rise from the dead. And James became a leader in the early church. And so then he's given us these words and he's saying, hey, you can see healings take place. He's speaking from experience and he's saying, hey, call upon the leaders, the elders of the church and have them pray over you. And so again, we're just taking these words and say, God, you said it, I believe it, I'm gonna obey it. I'm gonna walk in obedience to that. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move, nothing will be impossible for you. Do you have a faith that believes that? We love scriptures about, you know, God's power and and forgiveness, his grace for us. He's always there for us. We love those scriptures. And so it's important we don't just grab a hold of those scriptures and live according to those scriptures, but we got to live all of his word that he speaks to us, right? We can't just throw certain verses out and certain parts of the Bible out and like, ah, I don't like that one. That one's kind of difficult. I'll just kind of focus in on this other good stuff. It's a little bit easier for me. But Hebrews 13 says marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And so it's important that we take scriptures like that and know that this is a big deal for God too. And again, faith obeys. It obeys because we know that our God is a, like we sang earlier, a good, good father who we can trust. He thought this whole existence in life, and universe thing up. He's spoken into motion. and We can trust him with how it's supposed to operate. And so then we read these words and we say, okay, God is saying marriage is a big deal. Keep the marriage bed pure. Now the world would say things contrary to what God would say. And so our decision is, who am I going to trust? Who am I going to follow? Whose opinion am I going to listen to? The world's or even my flesh and what I want to? God's opinion. That verse actually goes on to say, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I take you. And God is wanting to remind us, money will not be your provider. I will. Like, money's not going to take care of you like I will. Make me your God because I promise, no matter what happens, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always have your back. I will take care of you. So focus on me. Go after me. So it's important that we take these scriptures too and say, okay, God, you said it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to trust you in this area of my life as well. And I would say we can't allow the opinion of the world to supersede the opinion of God. And it's It's easy for a lot of people to allow the opinion of the world to creep in and like, okay, I believe this, but not this. Like this, I'll follow this, but I won't follow this. And we kind of make up our own way of following God, but we're not trusting him with everything. We're not trusting all of his words that he's already given to us. And so we can't allow the opinion of the world to supersede the opinion of God. And I use the word opinion, by the way, because that's what a lot of people would consider God's ways as so that's your opinion or that's God's opinion That's some old-fashioned religion thing they would view it as an opinion but as you and I grow in our relationship with the Lord you realize his opinion actually works because it's truth and so we recognize it for what it is and so we got to understand his words are truth and we need to follow all of his words have you ever heard of the Jefferson Bible it's a fascinating piece of history about Thomas Jefferson, who was a guy who really struggled with faith and religion and his worldview and, and had a lot of questionable beliefs, especially in regards to Christianity. In fact, Christians were, were terrified when Thomas Jefferson was running for president because they thought if he gets voted in president, it's the end of Christianity in our country. That was what they thought, which obviously didn't take place. And so here's what Thomas Jefferson did. He actually took the parts of the Bible that he didn't believe and didn't like and he cut them out and made his own Bible. That's why we have the Jefferson Bible. And you can actually read this online. You can read it in full form. And go back to that other picture there. The title of what it is now, as what it's published, is uh, The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And so what Thomas Jefferson did is he cut out all the miracles and, all the, and the resurrection part of Jesus. He didn't believe in that stuff, but he liked Jesus as a moral teacher, if he, he teaches good things morally, I can follow those things, but rejected everything else. Some people would, would switch that and do the opposite, but that's what Jefferson did. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'd kind of like to do that at times as well, right? I'll just cut this little section out and take that out of my Bible. And if I, if I use a razor and cut it out there, I never have to read it again. Therefore, I never have to really follow it because I don't really know, right? we got to take God at his full word, trusting him. Why? Because faith obeys. You with me? Faith obeys. Man, I just pray that we'd be people that say, again, God, you said it, I will obey it. And do you realize there's so much that God has for you? Man, God has so many incredible plans for you. He's got promises he wants to fulfill in your life. And all of those things really... Our faith and our obedience—it's really where it hinges. I'm not going to experience all the promises, and the power, and even the blessings of God unless I'm willing to faith that always obeys. And it's really a trust issue, isn't it? This is a trust issue. Can I really trust God? Is He really trustworthy? And that's that's where it's at. Proverbs three, five, and six is my favorite verse is my life scripture but it says trust in the Lord with all of your heart Lord with all of your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and so that's what we're called to do trust in him with all of our heart and trust even all of teachings to us with all of our heart and don't lean on your own understanding because it may not always make sense to you But here's the deal. We love it when it makes sense to us. In fact, we really want it to make sense to us. We want to understand everything about what God is asking us to do. And so we might find ourselves having this conversation, like, okay, God, if I do that, then what? And then you're gonna do what? And then can you just kind of lay out the whole plan of this whole thing? Like, I need to know after, if I say yes to you, which I plan on doing, but then what? And then what? And then what? And I just, maybe just 10 years, that's all I need. Just that kind of the 10-year plan. And and God would say, that's really not a life of faith. (laughs) And can you just trust me? Because so often, God will speak to us like Abram. Hey, I'm calling you to do this. Take this step. What's next? Then I'll lead you. But we want to figure it out. We want to make sure that it makes sense. It's, if it's going to be difficult, i got to prepare for this. And i got to understand then and this. And then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to go through this. And... Proverbs 3 remind us, don't lean on your own understanding. You don't have to figure everything out. Just trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Acknowledge him with everything. Submit to him is what that means. And he will make your path straight. He will lead you. He will guide you. Again, friends, that's a promise from the word of God that you and I can take hold of. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So my encouragement to you, would you make yes your default answer to the Lord. Yes, Lord. No matter what he says, no matter what he asks, no matter what you read, no matter what you sense him speaking to you, yes, Lord. Now make this your prayer. God, I will do whatever you ask me to do. God, I'll give whatever you ask me to give. I'll go wherever you ask me to go. I will say whatever you ask me to say. Before you ask me anything, I have predetermined my answer will be yes, Lord. I'm listening, I will obey. Because faith obeys. And I'd encourage you to make that your prayer. Faith obeys. That's what Joseph did. He responded with immediate obedience. And Joseph, I think, had four major faith testing decisions to make in his life. This first one. Hey, okay, this child that she has is from me. God is saying, take her to be your wife. So Joseph responds with immediate obedience. But the second one, I would say, was taking her to Bethlehem. Knowing that she was about to have the baby, that was a major step of faith. And then the third one, I would say, was when he had to uproot his family. I'm calling you to go to Egypt. Because remember, Herod wanted to go and worship Jesus himself. But the Magi got warned by God threw a dream themselves, and so they kind of went the different way and didn't go connect with Herod. Herod's duped, and so Herod's going to kill all the the babies that are boys under the age of two. And so God comes and tells Joseph, you need to flee and go to Egypt, which is interesting because Egypt is a huge place. God doesn't even tell Joseph where to go specifically. So Joseph has to just uproot his family and move and go to Egypt and then just kind of trust that God's going to take care of him wherever he ends up. That's faith. That's faith. That's a big test of faith, too. Leave your country and go to a foreign land. And some theologians think that he, with his family, could have been there up to seven years before God came again. Because God came again and said, hey, Herod is dead. You can go back to Israel now. He could have been waiting all that time. And as the years go by, I'm sure he is like us. Did I really hear from God? Was I supposed to be here? And he's hanging out in a foreign land. He's struggling. It's probably a place he doesn't want to raise a family. He doesn't want to live for the rest of his life. He's in Egypt, a foreigner. Did I really hear from God? God, where are you? God, okay, is it time for me to go back? Would you come and speak to me? I need to hear from you now. God, have you left me? Have you forgotten about me? And we've all been there and felt that before. God hadn't forgotten. God was waiting for the right time. And sometimes sometimes the most important thing for you and I to do is to go back to the last thing we know God spoke to us. And stay with that. That's all Joseph had to do. God had spoken to him, and he was right where God wanted him. And he needed to stay faithful and true to that. And we can get caught up, okay, now what God, now what God, where are you, you haven't spoken to me? Again, I do believe God's always speaking. And oftentimes he's speaking things where he wants to transform us and do a work in us. But then we struggle with like, okay, I want to make this big decision in life. What do I go? What do I do? And sometimes God seems silent, but he's like, I haven't changed my mind. I already told you. Just stay right where you're at. Bloom where you're planted. Stick with the last thing that I already. Finally, though, whenever it happened for Joseph, God came and said, again, now it's time to go back to Israel. All four of those decisions though were not easy decisions for him as he's got to uproot his family. He probably has several kids by the time he comes back from Egypt. James is probably born by then. But he has to go through a lot in trusting God. You can see a very strong faith in Joseph. I just love that about Joseph. And I think that the strength of our faith is measured by how much we're willing to suffer for our faith. You see Joseph willing to Now, even taking Mary in, he's going to face some ridicule. He's going to, people are going to look down to him. Like he is technically the stepdad of Jesus, the Messiah. People aren't going to understand. Like he was going to face ridicule. Jesus was going to face ridicule even for the rest of his life. He's willing to go through all of this to trust and obey the Lord. And it's kind of a side note. Isn't it interesting that Jesus had a stepdad? And for all you step parents, I just, I just pray God's grace on you. I mean that. The strength of our faith is measured by for our faith. I mean, through the years, I've seen people say yes to Jesus, begin following him. They just were excited, but then it got hard and they kind of wandered away and drifted away because they didn't think it should be that hard. But life is going to be hard, regardless of what you believe. And there's going to be moments where our faith is tested. There's even going to be moments, the Bible tells us, where we are going to suffer. Suffering, persecution, trials, hardships, they will come. And that's when our faith is really, really tested. That's why I say the strength of our faith is measured by how much we're willing to suffer for our faith. And I think that a true faith in Jesus is gonna really change how I live, how I respond to those decisions and those seasons in life, the the priorities I I make in life, the decisions I make, even even how I think. A true faith changes all of those things and says, no matter what I go through, I will stay faithful to the one that I know will be faithful to me. But sometimes it's tough to walk through that obedience even in the midst of suffering and hardships. But can I just say, that's when we really learn what obedience is. Because it's easy to obey when it's easy. You can write that down. Okay, that's good right there. It's easy to obey when it's easy to obey, right? Obviously that makes sense. It's kind of duh. But can you obey when it becomes difficult? Hebrews 5 says this about Jesus. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus himself, through suffering, learned what obedience was. Can I just say that's how we really learn obedience? It's not the only way, but it is the way we find out, do I really, really love Jesus more than anything else? Do I really have a love for him, or am I following Jesus and, and I'm a Christian just because of what I expect him to do for me? Jesus even said, If you love me, you'll obey my commands. It's out of love. I love how the message says that. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. That's done out of a love for Jesus. That's what it takes. See, here's what it means to be a Christian. This is how we've defined it here at Rivers Church, by the way. We feel like a Christian is someone who does these four things. It's kind of simply articulated a true follower of Jesus. is someone who is be, is committed to following Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, by the Spirit of Jesus, and living on the mission of Jesus. That's what it means to be a genuine, true follower of Jesus. I'm committed no matter what. And even when I mess up, I'm going to get up and I'm going to stay committed. Keep moving forward. I'm being changed by Jesus continually. I'm led by the spirit of Jesus and I'm living on the mission of Jesus, which we think is a big part of us as well. Just in this Jesus thing for us, we're also in it to help other people and to make a difference in the world that God has given us. So it's living on mission for Jesus. That's a big deal to us. We talk often about our mission here. Love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to Him. That's what we want to do. Just simply live out that mission. Love people the best we can, no matter what. Live like Jesus the best we can by His grace. others to Him. In January, one of the things that we're starting in January that we're really excited about is these groups that we're going to call go groups. Go groups. Simple groups that are two, no more than 3 people you can meet with anybody at any time and the whole purpose and meaning behind it is to help one another grow but to really live out the great commission jesus said go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything i have commanded you and so we're just going to go groups it's not very creative but it kind of makes sense go groups and so groups. This is you and I really entering in our church, entering the final phase of discipleship that we've been in for the last year and a half of like, okay, now let's just live this thing out and start these go groups. We'll invite someone to join us. If the group gets to four, we can, we can multiply into two and kind of keep going that. Maybe we get three, we can keep meeting with three, but if we get to four, then we can multiply that again. But it's a way for us to grow, to encourage one another, to help each other grow, and also to reach out and help other people find Jesus and grow. We're going to call them go groups. But that's just going to be a way for us to really step into just living out this mission that Jesus has given us. We're excited about that. Those will start in January. Faith obeys. It's that simple. And I pray that you and I would just have a simple yet strong faith. This walks in obedience. Make this, I'm going to read this again, but I pray this would be your prayer. God, I will will give what you ask me to give. I will go where you ask me to go. I'll we'll say what you ask me to say. Before you ask me anything, I've predetermined that my answer will be, yes, Lord, I'm listening. I will obey. Can I just say that our obedience is a big deal, friends? It all hinges on that. It hinges on our obedience. And you got to understand this, that God's blessings lie on the other side of your obedience the blessings that God have for you. And and by the way, oftentimes it's not even God blessing you. He could bless other people just because of your obedience, but it's on the other side of your obedience. You, your obedience could be a blessing to your spouse on the other side or your family or, or, or just other people in your life. You could see someone's life radically changed by the power of Jesus just because of your obedience. The blessings of God are on the other side of our obedience. So friends, it's so worth it to have a faith that simply obeys so that you and I can experience all that God has for us. Because it's not just about us. It's about us and who God wants us to impact through us. Aren't you thankful that Joseph had a faith that obeyed? <laughs> and I pray that you and I would have the same. Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for stories like Joseph that remind us of not just an amazing thing about you coming into the world, but just about a man who lived life just like us and had to really learn to trust you and take you at your word. So Lord, I pray this for all my friends here listening. They're joining us in person, even online. Lord, I just pray that we would all have a faith that's so strong that we just simply obey. That we'd have a faith that simply takes you at your word. No matter what. No matter what we go through. No matter if it doesn't make sense. No matter how hard it is, we would have a faith that obeys. God, would you give us that faith? Lord, would you stir up greater faith in us right now. And I'm just praying that you would speak to people about areas that you're calling them to walk in. A new obedience, maybe a greater obedience. Would you speak to them, Lord? And no, Lord, just remind them they can trust you. They can trust you. You're there for them. You're never going to leave them. You got their, you got their back. I pray that right now by your spirit. Would you do that? Lord, for those that are wrestling with a belief in you and maybe they're not there yet, they're thinking about this, God, I just pray that you would stir up a faith in them. Holy Spirit, just reveal yourself to them right now. I pray to begin to change their heart, begin to change their mind and that they would come to a place where they'd say yes to trusting in you with their whole life, with their whole heart. Lord, I pray that today, will be the day they say yes to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. up faith in them as well. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God thanks for joining us